So this morning, we're continuing on our series of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is given by Christ to his disciples to go to all the world and to teach them everything that they have been taught and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I've given all authority to do this. Now, the problem with that is it's an absolutely impossible task humanly speaking. So you have to ask, what is the key? What, what is there that makes the difference, that makes all this possible? And you'll see the scripture. We went through it the other week. I'm coming back to it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Christ is leaving, giving those last, last minute instructions to his apostles. And in verse 8, excuse me, well, I did that wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, in verse verse 8, there we go. In verse 8, he says, when they're asking him, you know, they want this earthly kingdom. They want to run the show. They want to be the boss. God, that hasn't gone away, has it? Everybody wants to run the show. Everybody wants to be the boss. And Jesus says, but I want you to submit to the Father's plan because he's the one who has all that worked out. But you shall receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the remote parts of the earth. So, he says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the world. That's the commission. That's That's for us to do, and that's for all disciples throughout all the ages. And then... He says, but you can't do it by yourself. You have to rely upon the Holy Spirit. That song, God, was that song not amazing? All three songs were were amazing. But the second song on the leading of the Holy Spirit, that was my message. That is my message. That is the message. Not my message, the message. Because that's exactly what we're talking about. That we're in this relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're going to cover some of the scripture related to that, but Paul talks about walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, the things that relate to that, and how that makes all the difference in our life. Because here's the question I think we should be asking ourselves. If Jesus Christ had all authority from heaven to give to those who are following him to make disciples of all the world, and then on Pentecost... The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given so that that empowering and that enabling was available to every child of God. We probably need to ask ourselves the question, why has it not happened? Where's the disconnect? And so today we're going to spend some time on who the Holy Spirit is. I'm here in Acts. I'm, turn to Acts 10. Because one of the questions you might ask yourself, well, you know, it just seems so easy for Jesus. He just went around, did what Father told him to do, and it all got done. In fact, it got done to the fact that he fulfilled everything. He was able to say on the cross, it's finished. Because it was accomplished, all that God had given him to do. In Acts 10, 38, 
You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Well, now, if Jesus did all that he did because he was God, that doesn't help me a bit, because I'm not. But if he did all that he did when he was here as man on earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's a whole different situation. Because that is available to every, listen, every, every child of God. Now, I would love to be able to pronounce this guy's name. I'm going to give it a shot. Ran across this story. I'm going to be a little smart here. As far as I know, this is a true story. But you might want to fact check me on that. I'm sorry. Never mind. You guys didn't. I probably, that's probably good you didn't get it anyway. Okay. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. <clears throat> so I'm going to try and pronounce the guy's name. Just to, just to show you what people did in other countries when they named their kids. His first name is... I-G-N-A-C-E. Ignis? You guys okay with that? His middle name is J-A-N, which is pronounced in other countries as Jan. His last name is P-A-D-E-R-E-W-S-K-I. Pradisky, I think. But he lived from 1860 to 1941... And he was an amazing master composer and pianist. In his day, my understanding again, fact check it, top of the line. So he's invited to the city to do a concert. And as the audience comes in to the theater, on the stage is this beautiful ebony grand piano. And everybody's sitting there waiting in anticipation for this master pianist and composer to walk on the stage and begin the concert. But to everyone's surprise, a little boy somehow got away from his mother and made his way up on stage. And not only did he get on stage, but he got on the piano bench, sitting at the piano, and began to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. You can imagine, you know, you paid good money for these tickets. You didn't come to hear a kid play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And then, to the amazement of the audience, the master pianist comes on stage, sits down beside the little boy on the piano bench, And starts playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star with him, with his arm around him. And he began to introduce other aspects of music as this little boy just kept playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And all the time, the great composer, the great pianist is whispering in his ear, keep going, keep going. You're doing great. Guess what, folks? That's the Holy Spirit for us. When we're going through life and handling the things that are coming at us because life is throwing things at us, it's the Holy Spirit who's there saying, keep going, keep going, you're doing great, keep going, you're doing great. Now, all that, but I want to remind you because sometimes I I get a little amazed at, 
Everybody doesn't know who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God's manifested in three distinct personalities. And the Holy Spirit being the one that we are told by God, His Word, and by Jesus that He is the one who's going to be here. And so here's the thing that we need to think about, or some things we should think about, as we think about the Great Commission. When someone is drawn to God, the Father, through the Son, who does the drawing? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, you have to understand, depending on how you were raised, you will have a different view of the Holy Spirit. For example, if you were raised in a more formal church setting, you think more of God the Father, because that's what was emphasized. If you were raised in an evangelical setting, like I was, it was God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer, all that is right. And then on the more charismatic side, it was the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. But what has to happen is we have to come to an understanding of who each of those are and the part they play and how our lives are lived out. But the Holy Spirit is the one given on the day of Pentecost to take up residence in each of our lives. He lives in me. Did you hear that? He lives in me. I'm not communicating what I'm trying to communicate, am I? What is your response? No, that's not it. <laughs> give, give me another response. Thank you. He lives in me too. Yeah, we're in Christ, but the Holy Spirit of God is in us. And, and by the way, if you want to blow your mind, try to figure all that out. If this isn't done and lived out by faith, it is not going to happen. Just get it. But it's true. But he lives in me. My body, listen to this. My body is his temple. We're told that in 1 Corinthians. My body is his temple. So, how are we treating the temple? There should have been a groan somewhere there, somewhere, just a little bit. If, if he lives in me and my body is his temple, then how am I treating his temple? Not only does he live in me and my body is his temple, but then he is the one who is supposed to help me grow and mature because here's the truth of the matter. I cannot even understand the word of God without the spirit of God translating the word of God for me because the natural man can't understand it. But the spiritual man, through the work of the Holy Spirit, can. And see, when we have the Word of God in us as we should, taking time, and I'm, I know I'm, I'm making an assumption that I shouldn't be making. If you have any time at all in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've 
had a relationship with Christ for any time at all, then this should be a part of your daily activity. Now, whether you get it by listening or reading or watching, that, that's not, I don't think, the issue. But am I truly taking his word into my spirit so the Holy Spirit living in me can take that word and make the difference in how my life is lived every day? So let's go back to the Great Commission. Why is it? Why is it that any person who names Christ can live years and never tell another person about who their Savior is, the Lord Jesus Christ? Does that seem possible to any of you? How is it? That we can know Christ for a number of years and never have discipled another person. Does that seem reasonable to you? I'm just not getting anywhere today, am I? I'm not getting a nod. I ain't getting nothing. Okay. When the Holy Spirit came into your life, which is at the moment of your spiritual birth, when that took place, he's there. But it appears, and maybe I'm being presumptuous again, I'm wanting not to be, it appears that we can have the Holy Spirit, and yet the things that need to be done or should be done through the Holy Spirit are not getting done. And so we have to ask ourselves the next question, why not? Why not? How can I know Jesus for a number of years? And not share Christ with someone else. How can I know Jesus for a number of years and never invest? You know where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Lay up for yourself, not treasures on earth, but in heaven. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about investing in the lives of people. That's why grace marriage is an important issue for us as we move forward. It's investing in people's lives because all the stuff that you're accumulating. I was in my shop the other day. I had a neighbor who's getting ready to build a shop, and he wanted to come and look at mine. And, and uh, as I was standing there explaining to him about building my shop, I thought, man, I got a whole bunch of stuff in here. Where did all that stuff come from? Now, don't misunderstand. I love tools, and I like to work and do things like that, but there's a lot of stuff in there thinking, I don't really need all this stuff. And guess what? When I leave here, the stuff will still be here. So what is it, what treasure is there that I can send ahead into heaven that will last for eternity? It's the investment that I make in the lives of other people. Now, that's the truth. It's the investment that I make in the lives of other people. And I will only do that and do it well when I'm allowing the Holy Spirit freedom to work in my life. The song that we sang earlier was so well stated because one of the issues that we have is that we unfortunately quench 
the Holy Spirit. It tells us that in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. That means when, when it said in the song, remember, if it says it's wrong, if it says it's no, if it says it's wrong, I can't remember the lyrics exactly, but I won't do it. Well, we're going to do it no matter what. That's called quenching the Holy Spirit. We're pushing him, God, pushing him to the back and telling him he doesn't have the authority to run my life. It tells us in Ephesians 4 that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what that word there? It means to bring about the greatest kind of hurt in somebody's life. So the Holy Spirit of God, loving each of us, living in each of us, he is the Holy Spirit, he is God, and he is guiding us and directing us, and we just say, I don't do it. Like a little two-year-old, it's, you know, flops down and says, I ain't going to do what you say. We have a funny thing in our family. Uh, my grandson graduates this year from high school. And when he was coming along, he was the only kid for, you know, what, eight years in our family. And so those early years, he had an aunt and an uncle uh, and on our side. And uh, he had this thing. Because they were, you know, they would tend to tell him what to do. And uh, he would say, well, you ain't the boss of me. Well, guess what? We do exactly that same thing with the Holy Spirit. Even though he is to be the boss of us. Not in the sense that he's beating us up and, and requiring and demanding things that are so absolutely, incredibly ignorant. He's wanting us to walk out the plan of God for our lives. And whatever that plan may be, whatever that vocation may be, whatever God's calling is. I did David Maccabee's funeral this week, and David was the former uh, fire chief in Chester. And I shared with them that along my life or in my life along the way, I've encountered many people in fire, military, medicine, whatever, and they would say without any question, This is God's call upon my life, whatever that may be. And that's true for all of us. And that's what we're supposed to be. It's what we're supposed to be living out. But if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have his place and do what he is to do in our lives, then we're going to miss so much of what God's plan is for us. So why is it the Great Commission is not being fulfilled? Well, first of all, I need to tell you, that actually, in some countries, it is. The interesting thing is, most of those countries are where they are living under very dire persecution. Like as you've recently heard the stories of India and how they're being persecuted severely, and yet they continue to grow rapidly under that persecution. The first century Christians were under extreme persecution. They were being dragged into the Colosseums and used as game for the animals and for the gladiators. We have the opportunity to walk this out. I want to read for you from Galatians 5. If you'll turn there, please. Galatians chapter 5, I want to start in verse 16. But I say, this is Paul talking. Now, remember Paul, man, he figured this thing out. In fact, in Ro- if you read Romans, in Romans chapter 7, he's still trying to figure it out. 
But in Romans chapter 8, he says, I got it. In fact, is that the last verse in Romans uh, 7? He figured it out. This is how this works. So he says, 16, verse 16, chapter 5, Galatians. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that are pleasing, that you please, or please you. But listen to, listen to this. It was in the song we sang it earlier. I hope you sang it with a great heart. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Wow. Wow. And then he lists categories of sin and how the flesh manifests itself in sexual sin and idolatry and witchcraft and attitudes and indulgences but then he goes on he says but in verse 22 the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit now listen carefully the fruit of the spirit when the holy spirit of god is in me and manifesting his presence his fruit will be obvious love i'm in verse 22 joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law for those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also walk by the spirit where's the problem we have to admit there's a problem well maybe i'm the only one admitting it No, we have enough guys around here to talk about this, so I know that I'm not the only one. The problem is, many of us have said, like my grandson Caden, when he was a little bitty guy, you ain't the boss of me. You have a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, and the Spirit of God is stirring in you to share the reality of Christ with that person. And you say no. And what you're saying is, you ain't the boss of me. You're getting ready to be involved in something that is absolutely contrary to the Word of God. And we've all been there. And the Spirit of God is warning you. And you grieve the Holy Spirit, you hurt the Holy Spirit. By saying, you ain't the boss of me. I'm going to do what I want to do. I believe one of the lyrics in that song said that I'm not going to be led by my emotions. But led by the Holy Spirit. That makes the difference. So I came prepared today to share this with you as we close. Because the question can be asked, how do we do it? (laughs) How do we do it? Paul writing in Ephesians to the church at Ephesus in chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, he says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, 
and not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. Or we're given so much time. You can't make it up. You don't get it back. How are you spending it? Are you spending it the way God wants you to spend it? How are you spending it? Time, that is. We don't think about spending time, do we? but we do. In fact, how many times I've heard this is amazing. People say, I'll say, what are you doing? They say, this killing time. I'm thinking, uh, really? You want to kill time? You only get so much. And you want to kill it? See, money, I mean, people have made and lost fortunes times over in their life. But he says, you want the time that you had to be used wisely, so how do you do it? So you don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, how many times have you asked yourself or had someone ask you or say to you, if I only knew the will of God? Well, guess what? It's in the Bible. And here it is. Do not get drunk with wine. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if you're getting drunk, I can tell you, based on the word of God, you're out of the will of God. Simple enough. Is that? Th- see, this is not rocket science, is it? For if you get drunk with wine, that is dissipation or debauchery, but instead, he says, you are to be filled. So, so instead of being drunk, you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God, when he has filled you up, you will be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You'll be singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all the things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ even the Father. The Greek there is present continuous action. It means keep on being filled. Why? Because we live in a world that drains us. We face temptation. It takes power. We're involved in ministry. It takes energy and power to do that. So we're continually being filled with the Holy Spirit of God And that's how we're able to carry out the Great Commission. And that's the only way it can ever be done. So how do I get filled? This is is the real easy part. You ask him to fill you. You just ask him to fill you. You come with a sincere heart. And say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I pray this prayer at least once a day, typically more than once. Why? Because I know I leak. For him to fill me. What's it mean to be filled, by the way? It means to be controlled. It means that, yes, he is the boss of me. It means I'm under his control. And that's where I want to be. Because that's where the grace is. That's not where the law is. That's where the grace is. That's where the freedom is. Did you ever hear Jesus, as you've read the four Gospels and and read the story of his being on planet Earth, did you ever hear Jesus say, 
man, I just don't like the will of God for my life. Now, he knew he was going to the cross, and he wasn't fussing and griping or complaining or rebelling. This is for us people today. We, we are that light in our dark world. Our world's getting darker and darker. That means our light has to be brighter and brighter. But unless we're willing to surrender and submit to the work and leadership and guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit, it will not happen. And many of your family members and your friends and your co-workers and your neighbors will spend an eternity in hell because we were so busy telling the Holy Spirit, you ain't the boss of me. So what do we do? We ask him to fill us. And here's what you're going to find. As he fills you, the stuff in you that's not of him will be manifested. It'll be revealed. And you will confess it. That means, Lord, you're right. When he told me to forgive and I held on to unforgiveness. Lord, you're right. I forgive. When he told me to stop stealing, but I continue to steal, Lord, you're right. When he told me my mouth was being used to discourage and even turn people away from him as Lord Christ, I agree with him and say, Lord, you're right. I'm not trying to cover everything. I'm, exa- I'm giving examples. And as he continues to fill you, and those things come and you say, I confess it, I repent of it. That means I'm turning away from it. I'm choosing to live a life where I will say repeatedly, consistently, persistently, Holy Spirit, you are the boss of me. Would you stand as we pray? Let me encourage you as I pray that you make your prayer to God. And here today, ask the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in your life. This is not for your mate. It's not for your parents, not for your child. It's for you, each of us, so that we can honestly leave her today and say, Holy Spirit, yes, you are the boss of me because I made that decision. I made that choice and I'll make that choice tomorrow and I'll make that choice the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Holy Spirit, right now in the name of the Son of God, the very Jesus Christ, the Ancient of Days. Touch each of our hearts the way it needs to be touched. Every one of us needs to be filled by you, Holy Spirit. We need to be controlled by you. We need to be led by you. But only because you're so gracious do you not forcibly impose that upon us. So thank you. 
for drawing us back to that place of complete and total surrender. And whatever it is, small or great, that would in any way interfere with our intimacy with you, Lord Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we thank you now. We thank you and praise you, Holy Spirit, your work of conviction. You're our comforter. You're our counselor. But you're our convictor. So I would ask for conviction upon this body of people today where we have not allowed you to have your place and your role in our lives. And I would ask you in the love that flows from Father's throne in such great abundance, greater love than the world's ever known in the giving of a son, that we would respond and receive that filling today and leave here as the light and the witness and the testimony of who our Jesus is. And no longer will we let fear control us. No longer will we give to our emotions. But instead, we will follow you as you lead us as conquerors, more than conquerors. In Christ Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.